and welcome to Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio. Big nonprofit ideas for the other 95%. I'm your aptly named host of your favorite hebdomadal podcast. Oh, I'm glad you're with me. I'd suffer the embarrassment of ichthyosis if you dried me out with the idea that you missed this week's show. Your fun volunteer program. As our 21 NTC coverage continues, Liza Dyer and Karina Sadler share their stories of transforming volunteering from in-person to off-site. Then they share their lessons. Liza is at Multnomah County Library, and Karina is with Volunteers in Plano. On Tony's Take Two, the New York City studio. We're sponsored by Turn 2 Communications, PR and content for nonprofits. Your story is their mission. Turn-2.co. And by Send in Blue, the only all-in-one digital marketing platform empowering nonprofits to grow. Tony.ma slash Send in Blue. What do you say we get started? Here is your fun volunteer program. Welcome to Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio coverage of 21 NTC, the 2021 Nonprofit Technology Conference, where we are sponsored by Turn2 Communications, turn-2.co. With me now are Liza Dyer, who is Volunteer Engagement Coordinator at Multnomah County Library, Portland, Oregon, and Karina Sadler, Volunteer Resources Supervisor, the City of Plano, Texas, at Volunteers in Plano. Welcome, Liza. Welcome, Karina. Thanks for having us, Tony. Hello. It's a pleasure. You each have a CVA after your name. And uh, what, tell us what it's, I know it's not cardiovascular accident. So tell us, Karina, what, what is a CVA? What is that? What, what are you both uh, credentialed with? The CVA is a certified volunteer administrator. It is a global credential for leaders of volunteers, if you have at least three years experience, and then it is an ongoing uh, professional development, networking, and educational credential. Cool. All right. I don't think I've seen that one before. I mean, everybody knows the fundraising ones and the events. Uh, I haven't seen a one for volunteer professionals. So interesting. All right. There, yes, there are volunteer. Well, we know there are volunteer professionals. There's a credential. What's the organization that you get the credential from? The Council for Certification and Volunteer Administration. And there are 1,100 of us around the world and growing. Okay. Well, you don't want too many. If, 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 you, get, right, if you get too many, then, it's, then it's, uh, it's watered down. It's liquefied. It's not as valuable. So you want to manage the number of CVAs out there. You know, you don't, right? You want it to be something special. We'll make that decision when we get there. Okay. Oh, are you an authority? Are you an executive in uh, in the agency? I'm on the outreach committee. Oh, oh. So it's your job. Oh, well, so you disagree with what I just said? You're you're trying to you're trying to reach out. You're trying to expand the CVA credential, not not restrict yeah. it. Bring in more voices from leaders of volunteers all over the world. More. Okay. Not fewer. All right. But soon. But be careful, though. If it gets too watered down, it won't mean as much. It won't be as valuable to... That's a good point, Tony. Multnomah County Library and and the city of Plano, Texas, it won't be as valuable. All right. Um, So you each have stories of how you 
transformed your volunteer experiences in the pandemic? And then we've got some takeaways for future future programs, even when we end up back in person. So Liza, let's go to you. Tell tell the tell the story at the, the Multnomah County Library first. Absolutely. So at Multnomah County Library, we, of course, like everybody around the U.S. and around the world, had to pretty much shut down very quickly. And we were in the midst of planning for our summer reading volunteer program. And summer reading is a program every summer where kids and families read all summer long. And the whole point is to encourage people to read all summer long so they don't lose those reading skills between when school ends in the spring and starts back up in the fall, right? Uh, That's called the summer slide, when your skills slide because you're not keeping up. And so the volunteer program is all about encouraging families and helping kids get excited about reading for fun. And because of COVID, we couldn't have volunteers in person. And normally we would have almost 900 youth volunteers in all of our 19 library branches. So In the span of about two weeks, we completely shifted that program to be at home and virtual. And if you've ever tried to get a youth to do something in person, that's already challenging. But then to get them to do it from a distance is another thing. So we really wanted to make it fun and meaningful. And, you know, they're already online so much with school. So we had a lot of offline options as well. And that way we could still engage them as volunteers. They'd still have something to do over the summer and it would still be promoting our our summer reading program and letting people know in their own neighborhoods that summer reading was still happening. You could still uh, do things with the library online and um, that there was still reading to be done over the summer. Give us a little depth. What what was, what was, uh, give us a couple, one or two examples of what you, uh, what you devised. Yeah, so uh, it was actually kind of an interesting time because I was redeployed to the Emergency Operations Center for Multnomah County at that time. So I got kind of pulled in at the very last minute um, to start this up with a number of staff at the library who'd been working on this. And so they'd already put together some ideas for activities that, that kids could do from home. And it's, you know, of course, you think about social media, right? But a lot of our volunteers are under 13. They're not really using social media. It's their parents, their older siblings who are doing it. So we really wanted to focus on things that they could do that would be just for them. So like things like doing chalk drawings in their neighborhoods in any language that they speak. Um, We knew that we, we ended up having about 220, 230 volunteers doing this from home and 48% of them were fluent in another language besides English. And I think we had 14 other languages represented. So they were doing chalk drawings um, and saying summer reading, sign up online, or uh, making signs and distributing them to their neighbors, or doing pop-up stands where they would have the summer reading game board and different materials with them that they would set up in a park. One person set up at a farmer's market, and these were things I was not saying, hey, here's the contact person at the farmer's market. They were doing it. These were the teens leading these activities, and of course, we were giving them ideas and and things like that. But really the success was because the teens had been given that, that, um, that authority over what they got to do. So they got to choose which activities they got to do. And that was really way more fun than us just saying, here, do this. You're a teenager at heart. I love that. <laughs> you trusted them and, uh, and they, yeah. they, they didn't let you down. It's great. And you communicated. Yeah. Yeah. You gave them Absolutely. some goals and some, some basics and, and sent them off. Excellent. Mm-hmm. 
Karina, how about yeah, we, uh, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, we, sorry, we also provided them with the materials to do the activities. So we didn't just say, oh, we assume that you have all these art supplies at home because you may not. So we, we provided the supplies to do those things as well. Okay. Karina, what, what's the story at, uh, in Plano? Yeah. So when COVID hit, I was in the exact same situation like Liza. Everything got turned off. And I felt like um, our adult program, you know, our adult volunteers were kind of somewhat prepared for what they needed to do um, for their families and in their workplaces. But I was very worried about the teens, how they were going to react being cut off from our summer of service program. So I really wanted to create something specifically for teen volunteers. We usually have 300 to 350 in our program, and they're doing things at the library, similar to what Liza was talking about. But we also have them out at summer camps, at special events, a lot of in-person social interaction. So I created a bingo style game, just the classic bingo board. The P in Plano is really big. It's our it's our icon at the city. So I called it Pingo. Um, each you messed with you. You messed with you messed with the the tradition of bingo. I did. We deserve that's pretty, our own that's pretty gutsy. Well, this is it's been with us for th- hundreds of years. I don't know how maybe thousands of years. People playing bingo, and then in Plano you call it pingo. That's a, <laughs> all right. When he really turned a lot of stuff upside down. Okay. So. Now, what in Portland? Do you call Portland in Portland? Do you call bingo pingo in Portland? You know, yet to be yet to be determined. I was so inspired by Karina's okay. program that we're actually looking at adapting that for our summer reading program this year to say that we're going to have, um, you know, one of the activities be a bingo board. But we haven't decided on branding yet. We, we need to consult with uh, with our, our marketing manager. All right. All right. It's gutsy. All right, Pingo. You said the P in Plano is big. I you know I don't know that. So, I mean I I didn't know that. Yeah, it's an iconic right. P. It's important. All right. It's important that words start with P in Plano. Is it? Okay. All right. All right. So please go ahead, Karina. Yeah. So I I use the squares in our Pingo board to provide safe at-home activities for the teens. They could earn service hours by completing the game board. Um, It also allowed me to leverage many of the partnerships I had built over many years at, at my program by reaching out to other departments, other organizations, and, and you know, asking for an activity that I could put on my board. It got people's interest. Um, they were happy to see something positive going on during that time. And then in our third and final month, I um, had all the teams submit their own Pingo ideas. And our last board was completely uh, selected by the volunteers. It's time for a break. Turn to communications. The Chronicle of Philanthropy, The New York Times, The Wall Street Journal, USA Today, Stanford Social Innovation Review, The Washington Post, The Hill, Cranes, Nonprofit Quarterly, Forbes, Market Watch. Goodness gracious. That's where Turn 2 clients have gotten exposure. You want that kind of exposure? You want that kind of press? Turn 2 has the relationships to get it for you. Turn-2.co. Your story is their mission. It's time for Tony's Take Two. Sometimes I miss the New York City studio days. Remember Sam, Sam at the board, helped me out with the, um, with the live listener love. He would, uh, check the, check the IP addresses of everybody listening live and tell me the cities and states and countries. 
Um, and I'm thinking about this especially because next week is an anniversary show. Tease. Uh, and that was very special on the anniversary shows. You know, every July, we would get everyone together. Scott Stein brings his, uh, would bring his keyboard and Claire Meyerhoff was there. And we'd get some other folks sometimes to drop in. Uh, it was just, just great fun. So there are t- times when I miss the studio days uh, and the live stream that went along with that. Overall, I'm much happier producing the show the way we do now. But there are moments of angst when uh, I I, uh, miss those New York City studio days. So, just letting you know. I haven't forgotten Sam and the studio. The studios. We were in three different ones. We started on West 72nd Street. Then we moved to West... 76th, I think, much further west. And then the last one where he still is now is on uh, West 33rd, I think it is. Maybe 32nd. Good Italian restaurant down the street, uh, if, if it's still there. Cafe Nona. Cafe Nona. If you're in New York City. Can you tell Sam lives on the west side? He only he doesn't want, <laughs> Sam lives on the west side. So he picks all the studios that are uh, either within walking distance of his apartment or easy commute by uh, by subway. No need to go over to the east side. Sam Leibowitz. All right. That is Tony's take two. Send in blue. It's an all-in-one digital marketing platform with tools to build end-to-end digital campaigns that look professional, are affordable, and keep you organized, for goodness sake. They do digital campaign marketing. Most marketing software is designed for big companies and has that enterprise-level price tag. Send in Blue is priced for nonprofits. It's an easy-to-use marketing platform that walks you through the steps of building a campaign. To try out Send in Blue and get a free month, hit the listener landing page at tony.ma slash sendinblue. We've got buttloads more time for your fun volunteer program. Give us a little, a little flavor of some of the board theme, the Pingo board themes. Yeah, so uh, we partnered with the police department and had a... Mm of safety minute videos the teens could watch and learn some safety tips from the police department. Similar with our fire department, checking out some tours of the fire stations and learning about what the fire department does. Uh, The census was going on, so encouraging their family to complete their census was a, a square. Going out and getting exercise, doing a outdoor social distance scavenger hunt with our museum, calling or Zooming with a relative to say hi. Okay. You brought in the the institutions of Plano. Mm-hmm. Cultural, law enforcement, fire. Cool. All right. All right. So we've got, um, you You each have some takeaways that, that folks can use in creating their own volunteer um, activities. Right. So what, what, Karina, let's stay with you. What, what, 
what are what are some lessons learned here that folks non-private radio listeners can benefit from i think it's great to be specific when creating engagement opportunities to narrow down your audience to create something just for teens or just for seniors or being very um, specific in creating activities that would interest them. And having at-home options, I think going forward, will be a bonus, will be a plus. Not every child's home has the same resources as their neighbor. And being able to provide them with an engaging activity that connects them back to the community regardless of how many resources they have access to really strengthens that trust. And I guess you could segment by other, other categories also besides age. I mean, maybe section of the neighborhood that you live in or mm-hmm. I don't know, school that you go to depending on the size of your community, you know? Um, yeah. Whether you're new to the, I don't know. Well, you don't want to start dividing people. Like whether you're a native in the town or you're, or you're, you've been lived here less than five years. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe that's. Yeah, not such I've a good seen one. other organizations. There was a food pantry, a senior living, two hospitals from all over the U.S. that took my idea and made their own boards, and they made them as inclusive as they wanted or as specific to uh, their audience as they wanted. So people can get really creative when you give them an empty bingo board. Okay. Liza, you got something you can share for us? Yeah. So one of the things that I started doing throughout last summer was asking our volunteers to send us pictures of them doing these activities or to send us pictures of just like their chalk drawings or their summer reading pop-up stations. And then I took those photos and then put them into our weekly email newsletter that we were sending to the volunteers. So it created a kind of online feedback loop of, hey, here in a normal time, we would be able to see each other and we would see the things that we're doing. But because we're all spread out through throughout Multnomah County, we're not able to see that. And so being able to share that back helped to elevate the the teens and and their work and show them, hey, your artwork that you did has made it into our official newsletter. And, you know, for me, I'm just like, oh, that's just such a simple thing for me to do. But for them, it's a sense of validation that they created something that was then sent out to hundreds of people. And it got included in our end of summer reading report. We used it on social media, you know, and of course we made sure to get permission and everything from, from folks. And that was just a really cool way to, to spread that. And um, one, one thing I got from a couple of teens, they were like, oh yeah, I don't have social media, but I asked my dad to put this on his social media. And so it was just, you know, it, it created a, a kind of family experience, whereas before it would be kids coming to the library and their families aren't really involved at all. And so this created a different kind of opportunity that we're going to stick with this year. Yeah. I was just going to ask about that. Summer is coming up. We're recording in basically mid April. You're already planning your summer reading program. Uh, are you, are you going to try to make it a hybrid or strictly virtual again? Or, well, I mean, I, the activities weren't all virtual, but distanced, I guess I should say distanced or how are you, how are you conceiving of it? 
Yeah. So it's funny you say that, you know, we must be planning. We started planning summer reading 2021 in September of 2020. So it's basically a rolling program for us. It it takes so much planning and and preparation and and working with um, different organizations that we partner with and, um, and just planning everything for the next year's theme. And so each summer reading, uh, each year there's a theme. And so this year our theme is reading colors your world. And so we have gotten teens to submit their own black and white drawings that are going to be, I think one or two of them will be printed on the summer reading game boards. So of course, all of these things, you know, you have to backtrack. You can't just say like, oh, we'll have this by summer. No, we're like getting these printed now. Um, And then all of the drawings that were not going to be on the game board, we're putting them into a coloring book. And so the coloring book will be put together by the library, but then distributed to all of our patrons that are coming into play. So it's, it's not just, um, you know, an insular volunteer program of, of, oh, only volunteers get this. No, this is, this is, everybody can get this. And so, yeah, we are going to be opening up recruitment in um, actually next week for summer reading volunteers and um, really focusing on what volunteers can do in that uh, the two months between when we start recruiting and when summer reading actually starts, um, which is mid-June. And so we're going to have Zoom backgrounds that they can use for their classes, their online classes. We're going to have... we're going to have them submit ideas for a bingo board. So that was the idea that we are borrowing from Karina. And so we're going to ask them, you know, in these two months, because we have some really excited volunteers and they just want to get started right away. So, um, so yeah, so we're almost like doing this pre-planning, this pre-volunteer program for the two months between. And um, one of the things I'm working on. Yeah. That itself is a valuable takeaway that, Mm -hmm. you know, think about something to engage folks from the time they sign up to the time your program formally starts. If you've got, like you're saying two months, you know, people are going to maybe lose interest. You know, you want to keep them engaged get them in, start their engagement before the thing actually formally starts. So, all right. Another Karina, you got another valuable takeaway. I want listeners to, to pick your brains, get the best of your brains. Yeah. I, I definitely was not planning in September <laughs> for summer. Um, but I think just having communication with your volunteers, uh, we surveyed um, our teens at the end of our summer game, got their feedback if they wanted this again, even if we were in person or not. So we're still kind of weighing options and figuring out what we're going to do. But I expect Pingo to return and hopefully be more interactive now that in Texas we are open and having some more options opportunities for people to socially distance get together okay all right so advice there keep in touch keep in touch with Mm -hmm. folks throughout the year even if it's just lisa i'm sure you do that i'm sorry liza i'm sure you do the same you know you're in touch with your summer volunteers throughout the year you must be right definitely yeah and we have other volunteer opportunities too that some of them volunteer year round uh we have virtual team councils And so those are things that they're gathering every other week or sometimes monthly, depending on which council they're part of. And so they're continuously engaged or we're we're asking them, hey, you know, you participated in summer reading last year. We're planning and we want to know what you think about this. So we're we're regularly checking in with them. And then, of course, they get 
fold it into our, our regular volunteer pool and get our monthly newsletter to find out what's happening at the library and, and our status. Cause we're not currently open to the public um, except for curbside pickup. So um, so definitely engaging them, not just as volunteers who do things for us, but as community advocates and people yeah. who care a lot about what we do. Any more, any more uh, takeaways, the lessons that we should learn from your, either of your experiences about our own activities, volunteer activities? I would just encourage people not to be afraid to try something new, to be creative, to pilot an idea it brings joy to people and people want positive, happy, fun things going on. Even if it's a tough year, it still resonates with a lot of, of families and that connection is just really strong. So don't be afraid to be creative. How about we leave it there? Sounds good, right? That's, that's great. Parting words. All right. They're both CVAs, certified volunteer uh, administrators. Did I get that right? Yep. Certified volunteer administrators. All right. And they are Liza Dyer at um, Multnomah County Library. She's volunteer engagement coordinator. And Karina Sadler, volunteer resources supervisor for the city of Plano for volunteers in Plano. And Liza, Karina, thank you very much. Thank you so much, Tony. Thank My you. Pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you. And welcome. And thank you. Not welcome. We're, we're wrapping up. We're not welcoming. We're thanking you. I'm thanking you for being with Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio coverage of 21NTC, where we are sponsored by Turn2 Communications, turn-2.co. That's it. Short show this week. It's a quickie, a drive-by, a wink without the nod, a shake, a flash. If I keep this up, it won't be a short show. A New York Minute, two shakes of a lamb's tail, blink of an eye, a jiffy, a hot minute. Next week, it's the 550th show, our 11th anniversary. Woohoo! How many podcasts do you know that are 11 years old and produced 550 episodes? And hebdomadal to boot. Claire Meyerhoff will co-host, we'll have live music from Scott Stein, our contributors, our sponsors, and guest awards. Would you care to guess what the awards are called? If you missed any part of this week's show, I beseech you, find it at TonyMartinetti.com. We're sponsored by Turn2 Communications, PR and content for nonprofits. Your story is their mission, turn-2.co. And by Send in Blue the only all-in-one digital marketing platform empowering nonprofits to grow. Tony.ma slash sendinblue. Our creative producer is Claire Meyerhoff. The show's social media is by Susan Chavez. Mark Silverman is our web guy. And this music is by Scott Stein. Thank you for that affirmation, Scotty. Be with me next week for Nonprofit Radio for the 550th show. Big nonprofit ideas for the other 95%. Go out and be great. <laughs>